Hey, I have two questions for you. Pick, pick, pick the one you want to answer or answer both. Well, what are the questions first? Yeah, I know. I have to ask you first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you think Christmas is so stressful? And what was your dating life like in college? <laughs> okay. I should Leah's say, feeling I sick. Cold. Leah's feeling sick. We should announce. <laughs> Let's just make this clear right off the bat that Leah's... I just have... Yeah. I sneezed with laughter just now. <laughs> um, okay. Wait. Question one is, why is Christmas so stressful? This is a really good start to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and question number two is, what was my dating life like in college? Yeah. Both are, these are both funny questions. Yeah, yeah. My dating life in college was... Um, are you not, crying? <laughs> <laughs> was minimal, I would say. Oh. Um, yeah. Until I met a certain special someone who became my husband. Aww. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I went on lots of dates. And then I kind of like halfway dated a person, but it was in the I kiss dating goodbye sense of the word. Like, oh, yeah. And so what I learned from that is if you don't, if you're like committed to not dating someone, then you could not date lots of people at once. Yeah. So I had, I had one of those and then I met my husband. So, yeah, it was pretty minimal. Um, Christmas is stressful because of family, I think. <laughs> Just one word. This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. I'm your host, Leah Payne. I'm an author, professor, historian, and my favorite Christmas treat is fruitcake. Mm, I'm your host, Brian Doak. I'm an author, professor, biblical scholar, and if I could destroy one object on planet Earth, and I realize there are a lot of worthy options here, I would destroy my daughter's cat piano toy musical <laughs> instrument. Today we're watching holiday romance movies, particularly Hallmark and Hallmark-style Christmas films. A total cringe fest. We'll talk about how we met our spouse and managing two career marriages. And dating a ghost. For our interviews, we'll reveal the identities of our special in-studio guests later. Everyone loves a mystery. So curl up and grab yourself a cup of hot cocoa. We're about to give your ears an overdose of sweet holiday cheer. Join us. Join us. Okay, how about you? <laughs> I think Christmas is... Well... When I think about why Christmas is stressful, my mind kind of goes to the idea of like childhood family vacations that we used to have. Like okay. almost it was it was one of the most stressful weeks of the year, our once once a year family vacation up to a lake in northern Wisconsin. The lake was beautiful. My family was, you know, beautiful-ish. Um, but I think the problem was that it was just there was so much like there was so much pressure. Like it was a performance thing, I think. Okay. And when I think about holidays, to me, like Christmas is about performing a certain thing. Like, uh, things have to go a certain way, and it just never does. And it, But if you release those expectations, which sounds like the right thing to do, it really isn't, though, because that's what the holiday is for. <laughs> that's what a vacation is for. Most of a vacation is just, like, prancing around saying, I'm on vacation, right? Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe that, I just get into, like, a meta attitude about it. So, <laughs> I think— I'm just picturing, like, 16-year-old resentful Yeah. future Dr. Dote. Totally. Okay. <laughs> totally. I was whatever you're thinking of. That's what I was. More sullen. But I think Christmas is one of those things. Like you have to perform on Christmas, and and it's like role confusion because you're suddenly your 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 son. You're the son or the daughter to your parents, but then you're also still with your spouse, and then you're also a parent. Oh, yeah. And it just gets way weirder because it's confusing. I think that's true, especially if you have, you know, like if you're married or you're in a long term relationship, and you have that person's family added mm -hmm. to the mix mm -hmm. and that's when it really gets extra stressful because there are all these different layers mm -hmm. so like if i'm with you know my spouse's family i'm observing my spouse re-enter those childhood roles right. while i'm doing the same thing and you mm -hmm. know it's a good thing we weren't married when we were 12 years old but it's a weird thing to be married to someone and then be fighting that 12 year old mentality <laughs> Yeah, the whole totally. time. So yeah, that's very stressful. I think that that that's a you just articulated probably a, a fuller um you know, when I said family, I think that's kind of what I <laughs> meant. I thought I was thinking of the conflation of Christmas and romance, of course, for our yes. theme today, the Hallmark. We're thinking about Hallmark yes. romance movies in particular for the season here. Although I think this could work really in any season because mm -hmm. people watch these year-round Hallmark Christmas movies, this yes. bizarre genre and um um, we'll have some special guests later to talk about that. Yes. They're already actually in the studio, but we're, we're so excited. They're, they're just kind of like lurking right well, now. So I have a question really, for you about yeah. that before we start, yeah. which is, um, well, first you, you 
very artfully avoided the question about your college dating life. So we have to come back to that for sure. Oh, no, I didn't mean to, but okay. (laughs) And then the other one is how many, like, are you a Hallmark Christmas movie watcher? Or it was this just a one-off for oh, this particular? No, not <laughs> at all. You know, when I would go to my my grandparents are our Hallmark movie Christmas Christmas movie watchers. Okay, like really religiously, and so I've seen a couple, but it's just tough. I can't. I have a hard time with this stuff. Um, you know, to preempt our discussion to come, just because I, it's the same reason I can't watch The Bachelor. I just oh, can't. Really? Maybe this is too psychologically revealing too about my college dating <laughs> life. I don't know. I just I can't watch people. I just it, I just can't watch the awkwardness of it all, you know? I just can't handle it. It's just too much. I think, you know, we all went through that during the awkward phases of our lives. Why would I want to painfully watch other people <laughs> going through that? Like, that's not cathartic to me in any way. I just can't. So, no, I'm not. And I, I, don't, I don't find any joy or peace in seeing people fall in love on TV. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. <laughs> well, I, I sort of think of the Hallmark Christmas movie, and not just Hallmark, we should say, because the one that that um, I I watched in preparation for this is actually on Netflix. They're getting in the the Christmas movie or holiday movie game oh, apparently. I mm-hmm. But um, I think I think of that as a different category than like classic romantic comedies, which I really enjoy. Oh, I've I see. Seen many. What's the best romantic comedy that you've you've enjoyed? Well, um, actually, I like the old ones. So, like a Philadelphia Story. Or His Girl Friday, and I even like like the Doris Day Rock Hudson ones, but I also like the newer ones. One that I've really enjoyed is called Something New. Mm. Um, I have a, a deep catalog, so I, we could <laughs> go on. I, I mean, see, when I Harry see. met Sally, you're like going back in history. You're like going to like, <laughs> like ancient history of romantic film. comedies here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> Much yeah. Ado About Nothing. Yes, I don't that's know. That's right. From like the BC era. Yeah, romantic I, comedies. I, yeah, that would be really funny. A, a romantic, an ancient Greek romantic comedy would be hilarious. It would be, be like, and then her head got chopped off. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah, so I like them. And I think that it can be like really excellent, an excellent art form that comments on the human experience. Maybe I'm in the minority there. But I think of that as a little bit different than mm-hmm. what we're about to talk about. I think the thing about romantic comedies that sort of gets me in the wrong way is every, you know, when you work within a genre, there are certain things people are going to expect to be part of that genre. And to, to work within it is to create in that genre. That's what it is. But mm-hmm. I don't know, just some of the things like the one one thing I don't like is just is just the cheapness of the tactics used to try to catch catch your emotions. Like this cheap tactic is used, I think, in every single romantic comedy that's ever been made. It's never not been used. What the and it's, meat cute? Well, it's it's the the what? Oh, have you heard that phrase? The no. meat cute? No, what's that? Like in the establish, like establishing the romantic comedy. There's how the romantic oh, leads meet each other, and there's yes. usually some sort of cute way that yes, they meet. that makes total sense. Like she's a dog walker, and he's an architect. Yep. And he's building a house, and then a dog runs in, and ah. Yep, uh, yep. Yep. Okay, that's a good one. Yes, I w- I was thinking, and maybe you've got a maybe because you're like an historian and scholar of the romantic comedy. <laughs> no, you'll aficionado. know what's the I'm term. An amateur. What's the term for it when they do that thing about? three-fourths of the way through when you're ready for the couple to get together. But then suddenly, the usually the guy, but sometimes the woman, has like an experience with either an old love or somebody oh, that they right. might be interested in. And then the person that you want them to get together with walks in the door and sees them and misinterprets oh, right. what they're doing. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh, new drama. Now the thing we thought that was going to happen isn't now going to happen because of that. Yeah, okay. That I moment, hear- I just, Why? I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think, okay, I have two thoughts on that. One is that the films that are able to do that well, and Mm. it seems credible, are really amazing that they're able to do that and sell that to you and Mm. make it, make there be actual suspense. Because really, Mm -hmm. that's just to build like the dramatic tension, I think. Mm -hmm. But um, I actually really enjoy films that aren't about that so much, which, I mean, that, that actually show two emotionally available and worthy people, mm-hmm. you know, who are worthy of love. And then they they actually have to overcome realistic, you know, odds. Right, right. So, I mean, yes, you're right. I, I don't love that. And I don't like feeling like I'm being manipulated. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind being manipulated if it's done well. Do you think that your your romantic love story with your husband-to-be was, did it fit into any of the romantic comedy 
genre plot points? Oh gosh. <laughs> I'll have to ask him about that. Oh really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Maybe okay, how about you? Because you never actually did answer that very first question. Oh, yeah, you know, I my my dating life in college, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't non existent, but it wasn't great. I mean, it was just kind of well, so I <laughs> One one point that could be unraveled is that I actually met. So when I met my wife, a girl I was dating actually introduced me to my <gasps> wife to be drama. Well, it wasn't quite like that. Um, it was already kind of you know. It and was, then your wife caught you the in relationship. a compromising situation. Yeah, that's right. It turned into a romantic comedy. That's why I hate romantic comedies, since I don't want to relive <laughs> all the awkwardness. Lived it. I lived it. That was my life. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, that, I don't know. I think I think we did have some. I think oh, there was one moment I think from my sort of relationship with my wife that could have made it into a romantic comedy, which was we had been friends um, for a while. I mean, months, you know, and we were part of a friend group and so on. And as this friend group kind of did its friend group thing, her and I sort of like would spend more and more time apart from the friend group. Right. And, you know, and I wasn't, it wasn't like for me, like, I think I was definitely attracted to my wife when I first saw her and I was attracted to something about her personality and the way that she was in that group when I was introduced to her. But I don't think it was like right away I was like angling about how to date her. Like that didn't happen at all. Um, however, then there was a point where then I was or th that it kind of like flipped, it turned. Oh, and yeah. then we would spend this time together sort of apart from the friend group. And there was one moment in particular we were on our campus and we were like in this like classroom that was used for music. Like it had piano in it and things like that. And we would sometimes like dink around and play music. And I think I was thinking, okay, like how long can we keep doing this? Uh -huh. How long can we keep hanging out exclusively like this? How long can we keep doing this without like broaching the topic, without going there, you know, and yeah. just being like, uh, you know, like, what are we doing? Or, you know, I don't know. The Something kids like, call it the DTR. The DTR, the define the relationship. Uh -huh. Yeah, totally. So there was one point in particular I remember, I don't know if she remembers this, would remember this or not, where I... I was, we were sitting there and she was kind of sitting like, you know, kind of cross-legged, you know, with a guitar and I was kind of sitting near her Aww. and we were talking and I was going to, I was going to go there. I was thinking about it. I was like, okay. And I sort of like, you're feeling dizzy in your head and you're like, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> and then she just like leans down her head and just like starts smelling her foot. And she's like, my shoe smells weird. <laughs> and it just derailed everything. <laughs> like it just derailed the entire moment derailed the conversation it was just like a romantic buzzkill of a high order and i think you know in a low level like b level romantic comedy you know and then you could have seen like my 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 strain to mm -hmm. like regain equilibrium and then and then it didn't happen that night it just wasn't it wasn't meant to be we were um, we were meant to think about how weird her shoe smelled that is that was what we were supposed so to do so great well, actually what that reminds me of is there's a real did you ever watch the show scrubs Yes, at times. Yeah, I didn't like wasn't like a faithful watcher, but I know the show. Yeah. Well, the the funny thing about that show is that they always show like the characters' thoughts, you know, that are going. Oh on. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love and that. they had that reminds me like of a scene from that where you know like I can picture you, you're like trying to set the mood, mm -hmm. and then you know she's not a mind reader, so how would she know? Right. And I really like that. I, I think that's a great story. Part of me you thinks she did know though, because like why would you? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because like the awkwardness of it just becomes so much, and then you avoid. We'll have to ask her. You avoid by 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 doing that. Yeah. Well, we'll loop, we'll have to loop back on that. Did you? What was your define the relationship talk with with Thomas? We had a really dramatic college Ooh. relationship when we first. I'll keep it short, but when we first met, we didn't like each other at all, and we used to argue. A That's lot. That's perfect material for a TV show. Yeah. Like that. that that is actually sort of rom com ish. Mm -hmm. um, but then you know I got to know him more, and we were in a lot of the same activities, and so. I, uh, this is going to sound really, um, I don't know, it's very earnest, but it's true that I just grew to really respect him as a person. And then also I found that he was really funny. So, um, and those are two things that I, I value a lot um, or I just like a lot. And then, um, so yeah, we had, we went on one date um, after the school year because we, we both have college we both married our college sweethearts, so we shared that in common. So we, we went did. on one date, mm -hmm. and then we were both set to be, like, he was a groomsman and I was a bridesmaid in a friend of ours' wedding. Aww. Yeah. And— um, Were you paired together, like, in we the We were. Pairings? We walked down oh, the aisle perfect. twice together. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, And—but <laughs> in prep—like, we went on a date, like, in May, and the wedding wasn't until, I don't know, July or something. And he, like, didn't call me. I didn't hear from him. Mm -hmm. Like, he, we went on this— like fancy date and I was super nervous about it 
And um, yeah, and then I just didn't hear from him. And then at that wedding, um, at the reception, he gave me a define the relationship talk where he told me that I was a really nice person. He enjoyed spending time with me, but he just like wasn't. Like he gave you a talk, like, like a lecture. Yeah, he like, wasn't into me in that way, you know. And so uh, he hoped that we could be friends. And so it's actually captured on our friend's wedding video. Oh, There's, what? Um, yeah, it's really funny. Like just like the actual words or just you can see you talking you can in the background? You can see. Like he, he's, he's like kind of animated, like moving his hands around. Like, and he's telling me like, <laughs> I think you're a really nice person. I enjoy spending time with you. And yeah. I've got my arms folded and I'm just looking like, uh-huh. Brutality. It was, yeah, it's really funny actually now. Oh, I have to so, see that. So, yeah, we could probably, get our it. friends would give it to us. Get it on, yeah, you gotta, yeah. You gotta get that on Facebook or the something. The wedding videographer actually comments he's like something like oh that that looks like an intense conversation looks a little one-sided though (laughs) (laughs) so anyway so then um then for months we hardly spoke and like hardly spoke a lot of things happened in between then and then what is there to talk about after a talk like that really well yeah yeah and i was like distraught Mm. um for for months and i remember i went home from college and my dad (laughs) This is my dad. He was like, you're in college to get an education. You need to get it together. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah. That was not the Hallmark movie Go section dad. where the dad's like, oh. You know, your dad, like, dad, is a, your dad is a model, though, for many dads. <laughs> yeah. Many dads should have that exact talk. <laughs> With their sons and daughters, <laughs> yeah. like that was a perfect thing for him to have yeah. said. It was, it was good. It was a good pep talk. I'm already waiting for a talk like yeah. that. I don't think with my oldest daughter that's going to be a oh, thing, but yeah. the younger one is just already like. Oh, your girls are so great. It's, oh, I can't. It must be hard to imagine them getting to that stage. Do you oh. think we could force our kids to date each other? I've thought of that. That has crossed my mind. Let's force them. Let's do it. Yep. Let's force it because that would be a really fun big family wedding. It's not too much to ask. It's not. No, it isn't. This is going to happen. <laughs> yep. But anyway, so around Christmas time that ne- last uh, next year, um, yeah, my now husband uh, declared his feelings for me, and he said that oh. he actually did want to date. Oh. Yeah, we've been together ever since. So actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's a perfect kind of Hallmarky Christmas movement. Hallmark, hear moment. us. P- put it up there. Yep. Put it on screen. We are here with our special interview guests. Yes. Have you guessed who they would be? Drum roll, please. We brought our spouses in. Yay! <laughs> They've been listening this whole time, it's actually. It's a Christmas surprise. It's a Christmas miracle, mm-hmm. a Christmas special to have these two wonderful working professionals just taking time out of their day <laughs> to talk about our gimmick for the for the episode, which yep. is... Which is... Christmas punting it holiday, over to you. Yeah. <laughs> holiday romance films. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what did we what did we do with the holiday romance film gimmick? Yes. So each couple watched their own film. We we debated whether or not, you know, we should select one, but we decided let's customize it according to mm-hmm. you know Options. our yeah, our our households. Um and we haven't told one another which film we chose to watch. Yeah, and the key was to watch either a Hallmark Christmas film or a Hallmark Ask yeah. Christmas film. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, should we introduce them? So, yeah, I'll introduce what did you guys. I'll introduce my, well, okay, let's oh, wait, introduce wait, yeah. the guests. Yes, yeah, let's yeah, introduce that's the right. people. Guest first, guest first. Guest first, then the movie. Um, mm-hmm. My wife, Susan Melendez Doke, is Susan. here. Welcome, Susan. Yay. Thank you. We clap so in the studio. This is fun. <laughs> Susan is um, the owner of a group therapy practice called Newberg Counseling and Wellness here in Newburgh. little advertisement for free on the pod. <laughs> Um, to our dozens of listeners, Susan and I have been married for it'll be seventeen years 17 this May years. in May of twenty eighteen. So it's a long time. <laughs> I'm getting older. So is Brian. We're getting older. It's well, true. we are too. Actually, we have been married for seventeen years. Oh. This is my husband, Thomas Payne, Thomas. not the American founding father, not the founding father, but <laughs> different spelling, disambiguation. Um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, if you look him up on Wikipedia, you find a totally different character. Mm. But um, yeah, this this Thomas Paine is a clinical chaplain at Providence Portland. Can we say that on a podcast? Does it matter? 
I think it's fine, yeah. Okay, that's great. You know, I want to make sure I'm not violating any HIPAA laws. So, interestingly enough, both of our spouses are in the helping profession, so... They need to help us. Yeah. That's the key. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little joke there. Yep. We've, we've got Christmas vibes going here in the studio. Yes. Um, we, were, we tried to wear, you know, at least like Christmas colors, mm-hmm. like Leah wearing a dark kind of burgundy-ish. Mm-hmm. Thing. Susan and I somehow have matching plaid guys, red shirts on. Oh you guys no, are no, really that's cute. it's not matching. Well, you have like a preppy enough. like buffalo check. I have like you have like a flannel. That's buffalo like, check. Real flannel. <laughs> Never heard of it. Like Eddie Vedder flannel. <laughs> you're yeah. There yours, are two different kinds of flannel, and yours is not my. Flannel. Yours is cozy cabin Christmas flannel to me. Flash Eddie better. <laughs> yeah, we should have a fire roaring here in the background. All right, yep. look, let's get down to it. Thomas, hearing that story about the define the relationship talk at the wedding, you yep. monster. <laughs> you right. monster. I just want to say on behalf of our listeners, you monster. How dare you? All on video, you. too. <laughs> do you, do you, did you remember that moment the same way that, that, that she did as she was telling it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, I was pretty animated, and uh, she was just listening. And then the videographer panned the wedding reception and offered a running commentary. And <laughs> nice. so, the months later, when our friends who were the bride and the groom of this wedding got their videotape, my buddy called me. Yeah, and said, "You will not believe <laughs> <laughs> you and Leah's." pseudo breakup conversations a uh, part of our wedding video and oh man it's so wonderful for him <laughs> happily ever after happily ever after yeah. susan what about you do you remember that the the guitar moment i don't think i remember that moment <laughs> i was probably thinking about my shoe i yeah. yeah, I didn't know that Brian wanted to have some kind of moment. That's so sweet. I know. You no, know, we were just alone at midnight, spending increasing amounts of time alone together. <laughs> in a as small you college. do, as you do, as one does. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that um, actually really well. And so, yeah, I was just wondering when when did you think like that moment was going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I I was one of those people I never like wanted to like get my hopes up about having some like amazing like dating experience in college. Mm, like I mm-hmm. was definitely not I, I wasn't really there to to try to find like a husband. Like there was no like ring before spring kind of thing in my life, but mm. even though that's um, what we did. Which is <laughs> yes, ironically exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sweet. But Brian ended up uh asking me on our first date for my birthday. Wow. Which is high stakes. Like a Seinfeld Pretty episode. Risky. Isn't there a Seinfeld yeah. episode about that? Going on a date on your birthday. Is there? there is, yeah, okay. Yeah, C- clearly but, not a Seinfeld crowd here, but there is, okay. But anyway. So so yes. Yeah, so he took me out on a date on my birthday and um and we actually have pictures from our first date mm. because someone in my dorm had the foresight to yeah, because, snap some because photos between, like a paparazzi. Yeah. Between the dinner really? and the movie, we came back to her dorm and we got basically like mobbed with people who knew what was going on. Like, mm-hmm. So it was fun, super cheesy in that respect. The fun thing about being at a Christian or like a small college of any sort, and I'm thinking now because we And this was a small Christian college. college yeah, too, it, was. Yes, it is was. Everyone is kind of a celebrity. You know, so it's like everyone knows what everyone's doing. This was before social media. Before social media, there was just like people gossiping. And (laughs) And watching you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually gossiping to each other in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Novel. Uh I liked it. I mean, I thought that was great. Yeah. That atmosphere. That was fun. (laughs) Going down memory lane here. Okay, okay. So which... which film did you guys choose to watch? Now it's the time for the big reveal. <sighs> yes, the big reveal. Okay, so Thomas is new to this genre of film. Mm. I will confess that I've seen many a Hallmark-esque Christmas film. Mm-hmm. and But this this was Thomas's first time. So he was like, I don't even know what we're supposed to be watching. And so <laughs> I said, well, I'll show you a few trailers. So we went and we went through a few of them. And... Um, we actually we only got to like the second one and it was one called the spirit of christmas which mm. involves a lonely career woman who doesn't know that she's lonely and that she's prioritized work over her oh. you know love life who goes to a picturesque new england inn 
Oh. And meets as what, one does. As Thomas said, a sexy ghost. So <laughs> a as ghost? soon as we No, see, no, wait, that no, wasn't an actual ghost? Yeah, the yeah, love interest the spirit the male love interest is a ghost. Oh, what? Is a ghost, it's getting guys. weirder. Was this on Netflix? It's on Netflix. So this yeah. is not a Hallmark movie. This is a Netflix movie. The spirit of Christmas. But hmm. it is recognizably in that this particular genre. But he's like this super handsome ghost. What? So and how Thomas do you know he's like, a ghost? Whoa, how? whoa, whoa, you had me at sexy ghost. <laughs> well, no. So because there's I mean, there's kind of ghost story, Christmassy. Mm-hmm. So you have Charles Dickens. Sure, sure. Christmas Carol, but then also uh one of the Bronte sisters writes Weathering Heights. Not Weathering Heights, but um, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Yeah. Yeah. Has this kind of scary tone to it. So I thought, oh that oh that might be fun, but it was not that. Okay, so we get, so hold on, we gotta we gotta slow it down. We gotta slow it down at this point. I'm just I'm creeped out, but I'm intrigued. I'm yeah. Yeah. Hi, so does she actually so do her and the <laughs> I'm trying to think about how to formulate the question. Like, do her and the ghost do they become a couple? <laughs> <laughs> are we asking? just going to talk honestly? Spoiler yeah, no, alerts no, and everything. Spoiler, no, this yeah. is yeah. Spoilers are out. That we're this yeah. is spoiler rama here. We got yeah. yeah. Like so, and part of the problem is they don't really like make anything kind of plausible. But like they, <laughs> so they don't explain really like why this this why this ghost guy just uh, is totally tangible and material. He is and, material. Though. They can right, touch. Right. They can kiss. Yeah. Right. And then he okay. just decides. Of course, they don't have sex because that's part of the genre. You don't really do that till the end. But. Um, they just end up together, and he just decides in his ghost cosmology that he's gonna like, <laughs> just like I want to stay with you. Does she know he's a ghost right away? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, how yeah, does so. she know? Like, how do you know that this is a ghost? How do they tell us that in the story? <sighs> okay, I'll give you the nuts and bolts. She was, um, she's an attorney, and she like this inn is a part of an estate sale or something like that. So she has to go to the to the inn and sell it, but they're having a problem getting it appraised because this ghost is creeping people out. Oh. So she's like, I'm not afraid of ghosts. She sets the alarm. But she's also like this high-powered workaholic attorney who can't emotionally commit in her, in her relationship. And not only that, she can't even date a real guy in the end. Yeah. And <laughs> it's in, a ghost. She's dating the, a ghost. In the course of the film, I should also say this is parenthetical she's beautiful she looks like a living version of ariel from the little mermaid and she's also thomas was like yeah she's gotten a lot she's gotten really far in her life for being like 23 (laughs) yeah so she's super young right but then she's this high-powered attorney like right so you have is the ghost law school and the bar and then but she's just is the ghost 23 too or is he like immortal is he like hundreds of years old he He's about a hundred years old. The the setting okay. he died oh. as a result of a rum run during Prohibition. Prohibition. <laughs> yeah, which I was into because I like that era. Yeah, yeah. But um, Just put but a little I, history in there for the history box. <laughs> yeah, and it feels what? that arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. Like when the history pops up, it's just kind of like yeah. this widow maker. Like what? Yeah. yeah. He's like, I prefer. She's like, I. Th- you're a bootlegger. I prefer the term. Rum runner, and what he is astoundingly a man from the early 20th century who's not sexist at all. Yeah, he's he's just like yeah, he's a, that's he's a, the most plausible. He's a contemporary him. man. Yeah, he's yeah, the only he's one a philosopher. Yeah, wow. yeah. So then throughout the movie, he speaks. I guess like the writers would assume that somebody of that era would speak, like they had watched like you know Ken Burns. <laughs> Civil War, where they have the readings of all these letters, <laughs> yeah. and so, but this character like speaks oh, yes. that way. And this, the winter was a hard one. Exactly, back in the day. Yeah. exactly. But it was a fortnight since we'd met. Right, <laughs> but he's not writing that way. He's talking that way yeah. conversationally, and she's to in her. totally modern, contemporary vernacular. Yeah, and I, you know, this isn't. I think we've all. It's not like Shakespeare, right? So he's not. Uh, it's not like a really com- convincing performance between mm-hmm. the two of them. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The chemistry so was maybe yeah. like, yeah, okay. So tell us about what you guys watched. Go ahead. <laughs> tell. So we selected an actual Hallmark movie. Oh, yay. It was on YouTube because we don't have cable that has, we have Hulu TV, not cable TV. So we don't have the Hallmark channel. Oh, yeah, we don't either. And it's not on Netflix or Hulu. So. But YouTube, called... YouTube has hundreds of Hallmark Christmas oh, movies. Oh, so many, so many. Hard to choose. We spent uh, a while kind of 
You can tool around for a long time. For a long time. You can watch a lot of these trailers. There's a series called When Calls the Heart that apparently is everything right now in Hallmark. Like our our Susan's sister was over at her house a little while ago for Thanksgiving and she's into that. And so we thought, is there a When Calls the Heart Christmas? Turns out there there are, but the 2018 one is not out yet. Oh man. But they had those up there. We didn't know. Right, right. So So we watched... A Rocky Mountain Christmas? Rocky Mountain Christmas. Rocky Mountain Christmas. (laughs) Yes, yes. I love it. Yes, the plot was, you know, not as implausible as the one you described (laughs) (laughs) with a ghost. I'm still just creeped out by this ghost. (laughs) I just can't get over it. Our Um, movie is sounding better and better. Yeah, ours is is like a Golden Globe nominee compared to that. (laughs) (laughs) You set the bar very low. It's high standards. So, yeah, so it's about a woman who's like, she's a a harried professional with just too much going on. Interior designer, New York City. With a huge apartment. Yeah, she's just (laughs) broken up with her boyfriend who's like a tech guru who's like in the news and now he's dating an actress and she's got paparazzi outside the hotel where she works taking pictures of her but she's kind of like a down-home girl Hmm. really from colorado who doesn't really Mm -hmm. get back to her hometown very often but she needs to get away right have to get away someone has to get away in these films yeah why is that right away like what what is it with the sociology of these films it's psychology why does the woman have to go away oh I've got a lot of theories on that. Yeah. Any, anybody? I want to hear from... An, anybody have a thought? Suze, why do you think the yeah. woman in these movies has to go away? Hmm. Well, there's something there about the idea that you you can't find love in your current circumstance. Mm. Or there's something blocking you, a barrier in your right. in your current life. Mm-hmm. In your Ooh. career. That's right. And it usually so, yeah, is for associated women, with career. For women, it's careers. Or like so some women, kind yes. of... Sleazy guy situation, cheating, or something like that has come up. Listen up, ladies. Your careers and sleazy guys are holding you back, according to Hallmark. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think that's really true. And I think there's something about how, like, the the women need to be disciplined a little bit in the the plot, you know? Mm. So it's like Mm -hmm. they have this urban life that affords them, like, these opportunities but like their their authentic selves or like their more virtuous selves belong mm. outside the urban. Because even in the one that we watched, mm-hmm. she works in Boston, and she Boston is always this place where she's she's like fielding calls from her boss and stuff. But she really belongs in this you know rural setting, a very domestic space, a domestic space. Yeah, is where, the boss a male? Yeah, yes. So we had a boss. There was a boss in ours, too, who was a male, who was constantly calling her. And she had to get away from the boss in order to Mm. connect with the, you know, with her true life. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just makes it deeper right there because it's like, okay, you have to get away from this, like, it's like a false husband, you could call it, like a false husband motif. Like, the boss is the false husband that must be rejected, kind of like Odysseus must must reject the false suitor's the Circes and the, you know, the sirens along the way in order to reconnect with his true spouse. So the woman in this genre must reject her 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 work husband to go and leave her career, you know, mm-hmm. that she's too attached to. Did you just go full Homer? I went full Homer. <laughs> full Homer. <laughs> full Homer. <laughs> okay. <that's it. laughs> we cover a lot of ground. We cover yeah. a lot of ground. Okay, so so what does she do then? Take take it away, Susan. Yeah. Where does the plot go? <laughs> so she goes home to the yes. family ranch. Uh, and there's always something that you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So Secrets. So you start to see that the family members are uh, the main uh, people are her, her her uncle is there who's just lost her aunt. And then and then we introduce a key motif in all of these, which is a death that, that emotionally snags you in. I've heard that this is common in Hallmark movies. They plan a death always. Someone has oh. died. And this one actually has two deaths. So there's okay. there's there's the death of um of the mother figure who is actually her aunt who kind of took over the mother role. Mm-hmm. And then Aww. you then you have then she tells us a little bit more later about the um that her mother was um was just not there because she ran after her dreams. Oh. To, to be an actor. To be an actress. Oh, her ambitions. No. She went well. to the city. Oh, you're looking at, Leah's looking at a picture of the couple right now on her computer. Is this them? <laughs> there they are. Oh, that's them. Yeah, yeah, there yes. they are. Her name was, I think, Sarah or something like that. And he had a very generic name as well. Graham. Todd. Todd oh, Graham. Graham something, yeah. something. Graham. Graham Mitchell, maybe. Yeah. Graham Mitchell. And he's, he's very handsome. And I've seen this guy in other things before. Mm-hmm. But um, what I think tells you he's the one 
he's sexy is that he's wearing a black leather jacket. Yes. Boom. That, that communicates it. <laughs> For sure, that's and, it. And she's wearing a flannel shirt, which is <gasps> not like so you, different Susan. from Susan's shirt right wow, now. That's that's true. Yes. Maybe we were subliminally influenced. Okay, so she gets okay, so she gets there to this ranch. Uh-huh. And she's trying to just like just trying to have girl time with her childhood friends and like just let it all behind, you know, just leave mm-hmm. it all behind mm-hmm. and and kind of detox from her corporate life. But um, she gets roped into putting on a Christmas parade that her aunt had put on for years, but now she's dead. They keep reminding us over and over again, like, well, ever since Aunt May died, like, <laughs> we, we Aunt have- Beth. Aunt Beth. Aunt Beth, yeah, Aunt Beth. Oh, okay. Ever since Aunt Beth died, we haven't had the Christmas thing. So this whole town is just, is only obsessed with Aunt Beth and the Christmas parade she would put on. Small town, by the way, they were saying, was it really a small town? It looked like a town of like 50,000 people. It looked pretty fancy for a small town. Mm. A little too big for a small town, in my opinion. Uh, so anyway, Anyway, she gets there, but and who comes along? Mr. Handsome in the black leather jacket, who's an who is surprised to be an actor. What? And who is there? He says to try to like learn study ranch for a role. Study for a role. Uh, How did you guess? You, yes. Well, this is not my first <clears throat> ranch first go around. Your first rodeo. No. So, <laughs> so he wants to experience ranch hand life for an upcoming role, but oh. really he has a secret too. <gasps> what is it? His secret is. He actually doesn't have anyone to be with for what? Christmas. He's lonely. He's, He's a lonely, lonely cowboy. He lost his family when he was a teenager, his parents. And so, and he doesn't really like Christmas. Christmas is a sad time for him. Mm. He doesn't connect with this, quote, spirit of Christmas. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm not into all the spirit of Christmas stuff. <laughs> bah humbug. <laughs> like, it's, it's like that kind of acting. It's that level right there. And so Sarah is the one who, so she then is teaching him about being a rancher. Which includes making wreaths, wreaths, wreaths. He's also helping her with the parade. Hey, so you want me to make these wreaths? Is this part of being a ranch hand? You be quiet, (laughs) cowboy. Like, it was a lot of, it was a lot of stuff like that. Did she call him cowboy? Oh yeah, all the time. Oh really? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. No. That never happened. I'm going to queue up a scene right now. Kind Kind of like romance novel-y territory Oh, it was was bad. It was, parts of it were honestly unwatchable, I thought. Like in terms of its quality. Well, every time they kind of got close, you know, they their their bodies got a little bit yeah. closer, and you thought they might have a moment. Like someone's phone rang. Right. Right. Technology mm. intruding upon our lives, mm-hmm. or or his co-star for his upcoming film arrived. Oh. The foil, the blonde haired. Yeah. Well, you know, she was she was kind of annoying in a way, not really an endearing character. So it was clearly we weren't rooting for her. We of were course. rooting for Sarah, okay. the designer. But she has an interest in Graham, and that's why why she's there. That's pretty clear. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. the, yeah. The co-star has an interest, and so that's that's the competition then. But then they realize that their relationship was never real or something, and then <laughs> cue the ending. Everything. Wait, but it all happens at the parade, right? The parade was a big. Well, first of all, they were called away. the The, the actors were called away t- before Christmas. After oh. Graham had promised to be the Christmas marshal, <gasps> since grand marshal for the parade, since oh, he'd been falling in love with him. Sarah or whatever her name was. Um, but th- so then he has to make a choice. Then then old Uncle whatever gives us gives a speech like, "When I was a young man, I was to take a train back home in Chicago, and I still have that ticket because I never took that train because I stayed and met my wife there. You should think about that." And he's like, "Hmm." Okay. And then he stays, and then, the, you know. So, so w- this is a question that I have for all of us here. I'd love to hear Thomas and Susan reflect on this. But I'm thinking of a classic scene in Goodwill Hunting. Does everyone remember that oh, yes. film? Mm-hmm. And there's this wonderful moment where Matt Damon's character is making the decision that he's going to go after Minnie oh, Driver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he talks to the Robin Williams therapist character, and he ah. talks about how he missed seeing like some amazing World Series or something. Baseball, yeah. Baseball, okay, yeah, because he had to go see about a girl, right? Mm. Which is essentially the exact same argument, mm. but delivered in the you know the the amazing acting chops of mm-hmm. of Robin Williams. Like I I teared up. What is the difference? Robin Williams. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I mean, everything like the right, like the writing is really smart and crisp, mm. and mm. it's well acted and uh, produced. And I think the entire context <laughs> around that uh, statement uh, uh, makes a world of difference. What do you think about this motif, Thomas? This idea, like in romance, you have to like give up what's important to you. Like, is that your experience? Like in in getting to know Leah and getting married and stuff like that. Like, is that how? Is that a believable trope? He gave his dreams up. 
Did you give your dreams up? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's just a really simple, you know, marital dynamics and relational dynamics are complicated, and there is sacrifice, but it's just uh, so much more nuanced and lived out over time uh, than those movies are just, you know, caricatures. What, What about for you, Susan? Was your love for Brian your dream killer? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so, no. But that was always my fear, right? So I think that, especially as a woman, I think there is this idea, there's this fear that um, that you'll have to be in some kind of relationship and give up your ambitions or mm-hmm. your dreams. And I was, you know, so, so, and I had, I think I'd probably broken up with people for that reason. Like, oh, I don't, I think, you know, I don't see us together in the future. I see me like kind of being your support, but not necessarily being able to live out any of my dreams. Mm. So, but that hasn't been the case for us, I don't think at all. Quite the opposite. You guys seem mm. like good, this is so cheesy. Good, like, dream co-creators. Aw. Thank you for creating. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you guys, too. I mean, you hear our four people who have, like, dual careers just, like, pumping ourselves. Yep. How wonderfully we've lived out. <laughs> We're so we've done this amazing. Very, very we, well. The four people <laughs> you're listening to have done this very, very well. No lack of sleep. We have done life very no well. No arguments over household we never, Yeah, we never have never, child care problems. Never a child care problem. <laughs> never two people hogging the mic. Never that kind of thing. We never have <laughs> problems. It is kind of a cliche, though, I think, in some ways. Like, I have, and I have had, you know, I'm not... I'm not so like invested in the way that we've tried to live our lives as dual career people that like I can't admit where its shortfalls are. It, oh, clear, sure. it clearly has pitfalls. Like, right, right. You know, like especially when, you know, we have many occasions to be jealous of our wonderful friends who have different arrangements and just to see the kind of clarity that they have about certain things and the kind of flexibility in, mm-hmm. in the worker's life that we just don't have. And it's frustrating. It's really frustrating mm-hmm. because now, especially with, you know, Susan being a business owner and I'm a professor, we can't, it's not like someone can pull rank over the other person in terms of like, well, my job is like the real job. Right. right. And so it doesn't work like that. And that, you know, it has drawb- it has drawbacks. Like it's frustrating. And a, <laughs> a lot, lot of negotiation. I mean, I think when you, you know, when you sort of have a lot of, I'd say equal weight, um, you're constantly negotiating every little thing. You're arguing, you're negotiating yeah. when you're going to, where you're going to spend time, who's going to be with kids when. And that's really exhausting. It would be more simple sometimes to have that all agreed upon ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It'd be more simple if I were a ghost and Leah <laughs> right. were dating a ghost. <laughs> right. Sometimes I feel like I am dating a ghost. <laughs> That's what this is like. I think, you know, and you guys may be better better people than we are, but I think the hardest part of that, because, uh, yeah, I agree there's like a constant negotiation, but it's knowing that you're doing things a little bit differently than people around you. Like there's like the pressure... Of of kind of the traditional um, gender roles that come from like a in our context an evangelicalish background like mm-hmm. that you know you're not doing things the way previous generations have have done them or maybe right. even right. the way that other people around you are doing them so it's hard to, for me at least to feel like am I failing in this one way or when the natural tensions come up mm-hmm. then it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it that makes it harder for me. The judgment comes on the moms too. I think mostly. I mean, that's what it's because there's just this primal kind of thing. Sure, and I think I think that goes with like lots of praise on on the dad, like for parenting, <laughs> yeah. for example. What, what do you think, Thomas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, one one thing I was thinking about is it's like both careers kind of have to come to terms with that. Um, we, we both won't invest in our careers the way we would. Mm-hmm. If we could focus on one, right. if we could focus right. the household mm-hmm. on one, um, so we're both kind of compromising at the level of attention we can give to our work for the sake of the whole, um, which has its pressure valves to it for sure. So. Mm-hmm. I, our girls constantly, so we have to drop them off at school. Just wait, your school days. I know, uh, I know, yeah. I know, I know. You've got we're one in school yet. now, but but you know, but you still have to do school drop offs. But when you've got you know, when you've got them going to school. Um, you know, there's this issue of like, who's going to do the drop-offs, right? Oh, and I said to yeah. our girls, so Susan, little known fact, Susan is not a morning person <laughs> at all. Like Susan does she not like- She seems like she's great every time of day. You would think, uh. you would think. The morning, it's just like anger, like hatred in her heart. 
in the morning. And it's like this every it's morning. It's grumpy, okay? Yeah. It's, grumpy. Gr- it's grumpiness. I don't buy and the girls are, and the girls, like, they're always wanting mama. Who's going to take us, who's going to take us to school? Mama, 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 take us to school. And I said to the girls the other day, I like actually just tried to rationalize with them. I said to them, and we, our girls are nine and five years old. Our nine-year-old is like a nine-year-old going on 16. Yeah, our five she's year, very mature. Our five-year-old is like five going on two. Like, they're going in very different directions. So I said to them, I, like, very rationally, I was like, girls, I noticed that you're always wanting mama to take you to school in the morning. But I also noticed that mama's always in a bad mood in the morning. Didn't you ever notice that? Like, why would you, I'm the one playing, I'm the one playing, um, you know, the radio really loud on the way to school and downloading songs off iTunes to play you and having all this fun. But yet you want mama to take you to school. Can you explain that? I said, can you explain that to me? They both, I said, Nova, can you explain that? And she just laughed. And I said to the younger one, like, Junie, can you explain this? And there was a silence and she just went, Mama. <laughs> and because it's primal, this connection, you know. And so I think women, I mean, just to that point, like women have to bear, you know, this the brunt of that primal child connection that maybe it is biological in that sense. Like there's just no way to really extract the mom from the child. The attachment. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's attachment. I mean, I think there's an attach there, a different kind of attachment that happens with the father, but there that is a very biological attachment. When you really think about it, their body was in your body. Right. Yeah. And actually I think what we know now too is that is that you know part of their part of their biology continues to remain in the woman's body even oh, later on wow. um throughout the course of your life. So there is something wow very biological that 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 is going on there. That's really deep. That's too deep. Too too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> You've taken it too is. deep spouses. So therefore mama. Therefore yeah. mama. <laughs> Yeah. Thomas, did you did you enjoy the movie that you guys watched? <laughs> so, you know, I started out, you know, because I, I, I was watching it and, you know, I always, when I engage art, and I use that term very liberally, um, <laughs> I, I always want to just say, you know, think in terms of like, uh, I couldn't make a movie myself. If I made a movie, it would be horrible. So I want to be charitable with this. Um, and I don't want to be cynical or overly critical, but it was just really bad. i I mean i try i don't know like uh i I couldn't make a movie as well as that but that's why i don't make movies Mm. (laughs) well i bet if we all sat down we could write a hallmark romance probably a really good one it would be hilarious what if we did a whole podcast season which was just us like telenovela like soap opera style like old-timey radio acting one out would that That be a fun idea but you would quote homer in the middle of it (laughs) so it would like unravel i ruin everything (laughs) well i i I have a question for you all which is like what do you think oh okay what do you think is um if in maybe a sentence or two like what is religious about these films yeah, did you did you see? Is there some knowledge. kind of spirituality that you saw in there? Some kind of religious impulse at the heart of this of these romantic, of this romantic silliness. I mean, on really short, I, I think people are interested in love, um, but you know, uh, a lot are you know at least from my Christian bias, uh, they don't they're not going to take time to unpack like what sacrificial love looks like or like the complexities or the depth of religious communities that have reflected on what that actually means. Um, and so it just comes across a little flat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Susan, any reflections on the film? It's spirituality. It's lack thereof. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that, I, th- I think it's most, mostly what I see is just the difference between kind of what they're, they're putting forth as traditional values and sort of the simple life um, and how that's something like wholesome and good and something I'll, I'll, always to strive for. And if you do that, then you'll find love. Mm. There's, there's, you know, a kind of a formula formula there that they're presenting. So, um, and so I guess in, in some ways that ties into um, some of those more traditional evangelical uh, values there. Oh, yeah, that's really good. How about you, Brian? I don't know. I'm just thinking about dating a ghost. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you add uh, when you add a ghost in there, you're introducing some like quasi silly spirituality. Always, you know. So I, now I want to go back and watch this I, this this one that you guys did. To me, you should, and I'm definitely <laughs> going to watch Rocky Mountain Christmas t- yeah. today. Oh. I almost said Rocky Horror Christmas, which would be yeah. awesome, Similar. but totally yeah. different. That's right. Um, to me, the religious part, I, I think they're like co opting some of these films are co opting some like pretty foundational feelings that people have about Christmas. And even like, you'll notice they're, 
They'll have, you know, a Christmas party that has nothing to do on the surface with God or anything oh, like yeah, that, but no. they'll be playing totally like the secular. first Noel, yeah, you know? Yeah. So there, I almost feel like it's this weird kind of um, misfiring of like the performance of romantic love and then the, in, in a very middle class, usually white kind mm-hmm. of way, you know? And then they kind of like put this, this um, Christmas carol over it. So it's almost like you get this weird confusion of, you know, how should I be mm-hmm. feeling about this? Maybe it says something about, like, what what we think in our society about, like, a particular kind of romantic love. But, um, yeah, so I, I think that a lot of it is just, like, it's almost, it's just kind of confusing. But I will say that it's also very soothing. Mm-hmm. So I have played them while wrapping Christmas presents, and I recognize there are problems to these films, but there's something comforting about mm-hmm. exactly what you said, Susan, like that repetition of the mm. comfort and the, even though it's a, it has, I feel like it has not very much to do with my everyday life, but. Ladies, quit your job and find a ghost. <laughs> that's, that's you really heard what, it here first. That's really what we're, where we're coming from here. Thank you, Susan, for coming on our show here and doing this. And thank you, Thomas. <laughs> Okay. Welcome to Kitch Corner. Kitch Corner, Kitch, Kitch, Kitch Corner. Corner. Yeah, the segment <laughs> of our show, new segment, where we talk about some aspect of Christian kitsch culture. <laughs> our producer told us that we should get a real song instead of doing what we do. But we, we like start. it. We said, no, kitch we're just going to say Kitch Corner, Kitch, Kitch, Yeah, kitch. I mean, maybe some, some of you listeners might want to create one. If anyone wants to give us a free Kitch Corner song that they think is better than what we've been doing. We'll take it. Yeah, that would be great. We're not shy. Um, So today, uh, since we've been talking about romance, um, we are going to talk about an iconic artifact of um, American evangelical culture, which is a book that was published right around the time when I think the four of us we were in high school finishing 1997 high school. 1997 yep. that was yeah oh, golden years um and it is a book called i kissed dating goodbye oh kissed it goodbye what's the premise of this book do you remember the kind of the specific program he pitches um of course i do because, it's in the title <laughs> yeah because um my yeah uh the the idea is that this um young man, this young Christian man, uh, decides that he that dating is not a biblical principle mm. and it is not for him. And so he recommends, I believe explicitly, you know, it's been 20 years since I've read the book, but if I remember right, um, and I'm looking over at Susan just to confirm because I don't know. We kept our spouses in here for the kitchen corner. <laughs> yeah. They're just watching. Now. I think he recommends something he calls courtship. Courting, yes, courting. Okay, yeah, courting, which is... Something that makes me think of like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Mm. Going courting. I think that's from that Corton. musical. Or like Pride and Prejudice or Pride something. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. It's an old timey um, way of talking about not dating, but dating. Like a lot of it had to do with like group dates. Yeah. Or just like not focusing so much like on the individual. Like it's all about me and finding someone who will fulfill my desires. I think there were some noble aspects to it. It's been sure. widely, widely maligned for all kinds of reasons. But, mm-hmm. you know. I think there are probably few people in a lot of eras who would say that the dating culture they experienced or watch other people experience is healthy and wonderful. Yeah, so I think it's it's sort of so a— So he was trying to come into that and say, what if we tried— What if we tried this? What if we kissed yeah. it goodbye? Yeah, and um, so one of the things that has happened since then, I mean, it what, it became this blockbuster in evangelical circles. I remember it because you, I was given like three copies before. You were made to read it. Like it was given to you as a program for what you should do. Yeah, it, it was given to me as a, a graduation gift heading into Aww, college. How touching. <laughs> I know. This is this will prepare you for the world. Not ahead. from my parents. My parents yeah. were like, uh maybe you should just go on a date. You know, I mean I don't yeah. think they they were they weren't as taken with it as many many were. Yeah. Um but yeah I it was given to me as a gift. Um, by several people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably not the best version of dating advice I ever got. The best advice that I got going into college was from my high school English teacher who just said, don't date a senior your freshman year. Oh, yes. I <laughs> Which was <that>. good advice. <laughs> when 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 my wife and I were in college, we went to a, a smaller Christian college environment and there was a, there was a chapel sermon that I remember very distinctly. The, the chapel speaker did not invoke 
I kiss dating goodbye, but had a similar message that like, you should not kiss your, you know, the woman you're courting, probably mostly directed at males, but it might've been mutual, but you should not kiss the woman you're courting until your wedding day. That was actually pitched. And to be clear, this was not something that the university, I don't think, was like promoting or thought it was a good idea. It was just like this idiosyncratic dude who was speaking. And he, he actually marshaled a Bible verse in support of that. Whoa, what Bible verse? The Bible verse he marshaled in support of the notion that you should not kiss the woman you like are dating. lip to lip. Or yeah. engaged to. I, he didn't really say anything about cheek kissing, but I'm assuming it's just any kissing. Okay. okay. He, he brought up a verse. I believe it's from 1 Kings. It's after the prophet Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal in this like wow. strange prophet contest and then kills the prophets of Baal. And then Elijah runs away because he's afraid that this um, um, queen Jezebel is going to kill him. Right. And he hides in a cave. And then a fire rips apart this mountain in this climactic scene, but God was not in the fire, Scripture says. Right, and then right. a wind, but God was not in the wind or earthquake. And then a still small voice came and, and said, Elijah, what are you doing? And Elijah said, Lord, I've been very zealous you know, for your name, but they've killed all the prophets and I'm the only one left. And the Lord says, go and anoint so-and-so king. And I've preserved for myself 5,000 or 500 or some number of prophets whose lips have not kissed Baal. Baal being oh, an alternate wow. deity. So in this metaphor. So that was the justification. Kissing given. is idolatry. Kissing was, yeah, it's, I, I just struggle, oh listener, to try to figure out how that story in that verse means that you would not kiss someone that you were dating. But he pitched this with great, as the preachers will, with great sincerity and with just a lot of nerve. Well, I think the f first off, I think the fact that you can remember such detail lets you know that he was a very talented preacher. Yes. Well, it, it was, you know, you remember, yeah, it, it kind of, it scarred me in a way because to see somebody, to be an impressionable student of, of biblical studies, yeah, you know, thinking about how to interpret and so on, and then hearing somebody who's being paid money and is in front of a thousand people saying something like that, it was, to put it mildly, disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I wish that we had more time in today's Kitch Corner because we, we, we definitely need to have an extended discussion of, mm. of this book and mm -hmm. kind of the general wave. Because I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was just something in the air about that kind of stuff. And it was yeah. a, a phenomenon. There's a really interesting book about it that I reviewed um, called Virgin Nation about the role of purity culture mm -hmm. and politi the political world and evangelicalism. So we should have a longer conversation about that for sure. Mm -hmm. But what is fascinating to me is that you're in that comparison, like it's comparing the men to the prophet of God and then the women to Bail. false God, like yeah. the falsest false God yeah. in the women. The women Hebrew are scriptures. the idol <laughs> and the men are the godly <laughs> prophet who would not kiss the false God. Yeah. It's bad enough that women get called Jezebel if they're, right. you know, like not fulfilling some, some aspects, but that just seems like really extreme. You don't hear men getting called Ahab. <laughs> right. <laughs> who's Jezebel's husband. Yeah. Presumably he's to be uh, drawn into the um, pattern wow. of idolatry. Now, there's a twist, though, in this story of I Kiss Dating Goodbye and the influence it yeah. had. A twist that actually occurred not too long before this this taping, this very moment. That's right. That's right. The twist being? Yeah, that um, Joshua Harris has rescinded his, oh. his, or he has asked, I believe he's asked his publisher to no longer print I Kiss Dating Goodbye and has since said, you know, I basically, I was wrong. Yeah, I've got this that. quote from him from his recension. He said, quote, fear is never a good motive. Fear of messing up, fear of getting your heart broken, fear of hurting somebody else, fear of sex. There, there, are, clear uh, there are clear things in statements in scripture about our sexuality being expressed within the covenant of marriage, but that doesn't mean that dating is somehow wrong or a certain way of dating is the only way to do things. And it kind of goes on like that. And, wow. you know, so he was worried that maybe people were maybe taking it to maybe taking it in the way that he intended it when he wrote it. <laughs> maybe. It, I mean, I sort of feel for him in a way because it's like, well, you know, this is a biblical scholar. You tell, you know, like there's the story of the scriptures and the dynamic process that, you know, of those being collected and created and all that kind of stuff. But then there's like what people do with it afterward. Right. And, and to a certain degree, I mean, it's been so long since I've read the book, and I'm I'm sure there's been many, many people have analyzed that this is a problematic book. To be fair, I think he was like 16 when the book was written, but... That's pretty young. Yeah. I would not trust young. a 16-year-old male to write a book about dating. <laughs> no. Uh, that's... Oh, Susan's saying he was actually 21. 
Okay, well, let's just mm, say he was sixteen. Okay, in my mind, I was giving even twenty-one though. Giving him a break to write a book when you're twenty-one years old, as though you know you're some kind of guru of this kind of stuff. I'm sure. To to be fair to Joshua Harris, I'm sure he looks back at that time in his life and is not. He's not rescinding it because he's proud of it. Right. I mean, I would. That it was, I'm know. glad that nothing exists in printed form for available for sale that I wrote when I was 21. Oh, so I'm, I mean, I kind of feel for him. I mean, people people who are in their 20s now, you gotta you gotta realize, like Leah and I and, and Thomas and Susan, we grew up in an era when there was we were not on social media, so you can't go back on our Facebook profiles and no, see pictures of us when we're exist. 13. You know, you, you know, you, our, our insane teenage rantings yeah. like that. And our parents are, didn't ever share stories about like our potty training when we were young, nope. you know, nope. on Facebook. Nope. Nope. It our, doesn't exist. Our parents tried to scrapbook and often failed and then felt guilty about that. And yeah, you know, like, like, like normal human beings. <laughs> in the olden days. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I sort of feel for him on, on that, in that respect. And also like... It, to a certain degree, he he, you know, you put something out into the world, and then people make with it what they want. Like, you know, you and I co-authored a book, or not a book, uh, an article. We're going to. Yep, yep, it's in the works. In the works. In our minds. Yeah. But um, and and then like it was sort of dis- the Washington disturbing Post article. to see, yeah. yeah, you know, like how people interpreted it and I think misinterpreted what we wrote. So on the one hand, I feel for him. Totally. On the other hand. Yeah, I mean, it, there there are some big problems with it, so. Yeah, well, good on him for, you know, kind of taking a little bit of control back on his own narrative there for the thing that he created. And I have no doubt, you know, in his defense, again, that maybe the kind of dating culture that he was attacking or whatever in his book really was toxic in some ways. I mean, I don't know. Actually, I never read that book and was never given the book, and I only knew of it by title. Oh, so, wow. You know what you just maybe did, Maybe I though? don't, what? You did a, a great thing, like, and it it was it was like pretty high level of fooling me that you had read it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean it's been twenty years since I read it, and I obviously didn't prepare very well for I was, this conversation because I, I haven't read it. In I was two reading. Decades. I was reading the Wikipedia article, like oh, literally while we were talking. That was good. Students do not do that. Students just. You but can, if you do it, students, do it well. Students, you can fake your way through <laughs> life, and no one will ever know. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. That's what we're still calling our listeners, weirdos? Yep. I like it. For extras and extra nerdy Easter eggs on subjects covered in this episode, don't forget to click on the hyperlinks in each episode's description on our website, weirdreligion.com. These episodes were produced at Stone Bear Studios, engineered by Kai Blessing, and executive produced by Troy Wellstead. Our theme music is by Cassie Blum, and our album artwork by John Williams. A special shout out to Roger Nam and to the Kern Foundation for sponsoring this season, and to Trigger the Studio Dog. When you podcast, podcast with us. Bye.